Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my husband and business partner and actually there for a moment, my daughter. But my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, and our little daughter there just popped in to say a quick hello on the on the video here. Just a quick uh, note on that. We do um, have a podcast, McNamara on Money. You can search on your podcast app. That way, if you ever miss any of our live shows, we just take the recordings. We put them on out on podcast. Um, we break them up. We break each two-hour show up into two one-hour podcast because a two-hour podcast is extraordinarily long. And we often uh, record the the video here and uh, local TV stations uh, air that as well. So hello for anyone watching on video. And that was my youngest, my youngest daughter there in her pajamas and winter coat, it looked like. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting choice there. Um, actually, no, it's not pajamas. It's actually a new outfit. Oh, okay. Hi. Good morning, sweetie. Okay. So uh, we are talking about annuities today. Uh, very, very invigorating topic and one that I, I I do enjoy. I don't know. I enjoy kind of, I sort of love talking about them, hate talking about them. It's a love-hate relationship here. And well, I love talking about them and explaining them. Let's, let's, let's leave it at that. So uh, we've, I, I, I want to continue on like what I think is like the meat of the discussion regarding what are known as living benefits or, or riders, which are these like 
insurance product add-ons or the guarantees that people pay for. Uh, they're the bells and whistles and they're the things that people want to understand. So uh, from uh, again, from, from I don't work for an insurance company. I, I, am, I am not a, a, a full-time insurance product analyst, but I have, you know, I, I've been in this career now almost 20 years and I've, I've done my own analysis of these over, uh, you know, that period of time and, and, and can, uh, you know, understand you know, at least the broad concepts quite well. Like we already talked about the insurance companies themselves have their own specific products and terms and fine print and all that stuff. So they're all like a little bit different, but uh, a lot of overlapping concepts here. So in general, there are like, when we're talking about these riders and these bells and the whistles, in general, there are living benefit riders, very common and death benefit riders. The death benefit riders are, you know, that's, it's kind it, that's a more simple concept to understand. It's basically like, if I die, how much is my annuity worth to my heirs, my beneficiaries? Um, and there are what we mean by, well, like think about it, contrast this with the world of a traditional investment account where if you die, your beneficiaries just get the value. It's very black and white. It's just, there's no like, it's nothing different. It's just, what was it worth? What is it worth after death? And that's what is divided among your beneficiaries. Um, with some of these annuity products, that, that can be a little bit different. It's not always. Some of them, some of them, it is that simple where there is an annuity uh, or an account for a variable product, like a, an account value and or a contract value, I guess I should say. That's the term in, in the insurance world. And sometimes it's as black as white as what is the value as of date of death. And that's what my beneficiaries get. Um, but sometimes there are, you know, little, again, little add-ons, little bell and whistle, little rider that you pay for, like, I'm going to pay a little bit extra. And if the, for example, one, you know, one type might be if the value of my contract, my annuity is less than what I put in at the time of my death, then my beneficiaries are going to get what I put in. That's like a, I don't know what, uh, like a, uh, some sort of a provision. I don't know what they're, they're all called something different, but it could just be basically like my premium payments or basically the money into my annuity, like minus money out. You know, there's, they always, they're looking at capital there. If you took capital out, it, it would be different, but basically your pre, your net premium payments um, could be your guaranteed minimum death benefit. They could also be something, you know, a little enhancement to that. You know, for example, I've seen things where, you know, your, 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 minimum death benefit might, you know, again, it's, it could start at that minimum of premium payments in the, I've seen provisions where sometimes that death benefit is reset at a, like on your contract anniversary, which is the one year anniversary of when the contract was taken out. And, you know, it, for example, if the, if the value of your variable investments is more than your premium payments on your contract anniversary, for example, that might reset your death benefit. And so, so the, so insurance companies, they tend to use these contract anniversaries as dates upon which they might evaluate if something should change. So that's just an example. So, so, you know, I don't think we need to get into too much discussion about death benefit riders. It's just basically some sort of protection uh, that you could pay for. Again, not all contracts have them, or you might not have elected that rider, but um, it's just basically a little bit of protection. Like if you die, that there could be some sort of an enhancement to the death benefit payout to beneficiaries um, that is potentially greater than what is the actual value of, of the contract. Nothing else on that, right? That's pretty simple to understand. 
It's the living benefit riders that can be quite complex and I think hard to understand. So, and, and I, I should say, I have worked for years and years on my explanation of one concept, one uh, living benefit rider, which I seems to be quite common is like a guaranteed withdrawal benefit, which is some sort of a, a guarantee that the insurance company is they're They're essentially, you know, like let's pretend you're 50, 55 at some, you put money into a variable annuity. You know, you could have some uh, provision in there, some rider where, you know, starting at age 65, for example, they're going to guarantee that you could take 5% of your accumulation base out of this product. So they're essentially guaranteeing you a 5% draw for life, you know, from, from, I'm not going to call it your money. I'm going to call it from, uh, from a base dollar, which is, we're going to talk about in a minute how that's not necessarily your money, but, and then and and couple, not, to be, go not ahead. to be confused with return. Thank that's, you. That's, yes. That's a, that's a withdrawal rate. Yes. And I think, I mean, I think that in itself, we could, we could talk about for, <laughs> for, uh, several minutes. Um, I don't know if that was on your, on your hit list there or not. hundred percent. What I would just one step further. And then I actually pulled a spreadsheet, which helps me explain this a little bit better. And I think when, you know, when you can show it to someone, it helps them understand it a little bit. But so like, you know, a very common one is this guaranteed withdrawal in your future, like in your retirement years are going to guarantee that you can withdraw a certain percent of money out for life. And they, they often, or I don't know if it's always or often couple that with a guaranteed, like for example, 5% growth of an amount of money. I'm not going to call it your money because we're going to make a point here about how that that the calculations that the insurance company, the calculations that they do for a product like this is different from your chunk of money. So they, they sort of couple it with like some guaranteed growth of an amount of money and then couple that with a guaranteed withdrawal in the future. So they're, you're, they're providing you some sort of like, hey, it doesn't matter what your you know, you're going to have some variable investments in here, which are just some investments in like, you know, stock bond portfolio, right? So, hey, it almost, it doesn't matter what your monies do over here in this investment account, uh, the, the, what they call the variable sub accounts. I'm going, you know, we're going to guarantee that you can take out 5% and we're going to guarantee that this money grows at 5%, but it's not that simple. I think it is explained likely frequently as being that simple, but it is not. So I think the best way to understand this and, and what I've, what I've done over the years in analyzing these, and I, and I think it's, you know, it's helpful for me, but I think it's helpful for people to understand is if you think about a spreadsheet and I've actually done a spreadsheet here with some calculations to help people understand this, but in, in these types of products where there is in these types of annuity, variable annuities with these guaranteed withdrawal benefits, there is essentially two calculations on two different chunks of money that there's two different calculations that the insurance company is doing here. So think about a spreadsheet with two columns. Okay. I'm actually going to make three columns here in a minute, but we're going to start with a spreadsheet of two columns. So visualize this in your mind or write this down on a piece of paper. One column is going to be, okay, I have this variable annuity. It, ha it happens to have a guaranteed withdrawal benefit in my future, or it might be like GMWB they're called or guaranteed withdrawal or guaranteed income benefits. One column on our spreadsheet is going to be the contract value, which is your real money. 
what is your actual money going to be worth in the future? That is one column. If we think about each row as a year, for example, year over year, that contract value or your money that you could withdraw, should you change your mind and want your money back from out of this contract, that is one column. And the way, what determines growth of that amount of money is your, your investment, the investments that you select. You're going to have some sort of a portfolio in there, you know, international stock, domestic stock, bond, you know, some, some sort of a portfolio. It could be quite similar to a traditional investment portfolio. And, and one, and what determines growth of your contract value is the performance of your variable investments, which is essentially determined by, by the markets, the stock and, you know, international domestic stock and bond markets and, excuse me, minus cost to own the contract. Okay. So we have, you know, if you think about a traditional investment account, which is actually going to be another column on this spreadsheet, right? So we have one column, which is the, the, the contract value inside of my annuity. And that is what is my portfolio doing minus the fees to own that annuity? A second column, I put it to the left, <laughs> but right next to my real money inside of the annuity column, I have a, if I had that same portfolio or very similar portfolio, let's call it like a moderate risk, 60 stock, 40 bond portfolio. Let's pretend you have that inside of your annuity, fairly common. Let's pretend you had that same or very similar portfolio outside of the annuity. And now let's make another column for that. So that's like your real money and I'm invested in this moderate portfolio, but I'm not inside of the annuity. I'm outside of the annuity. So I still have costs to invest my money. I have portfolio expenses. And if I have a financial advisor, I might have an advisory fee, right? So so, so there's still a cost, of course. I'm not trying to say that there's no cost to you know invest money outside of an annuity because that's not the case. But the costs, I am quite comfortable saying, are can be quite substantially lower outside of an annuity than inside of an annuity with a living benefit rider because these products can cost, I've seen generally speaking, upwards of two and a half or 3% all in. So, so money that grows inside of my annuity and then other column money that would grow in a similar portfolio outside of an annuity. So that is pr pretty simple to envision how those columns would differ and they're just differing by the difference in cost. So like, for example, I, you know, if someone puts a hundred thousand dollars into a variable annuity product with a guaranteed withdrawal benefit rider inside of the annuity, let's say they have a balanced portfolio and in 2020, a balanced portfolio earned what, like actually it was 2020 was a really good year, 12% or something like that. Of, of all that crazy business in the spring, 2020 ended up being a pretty awesome year in the markets for, for aggressive portfolios and balanced portfolios because bonds had quite a good year there with that interest rate drop. But anyway, um, so let's just, let's just use 10%. That's just easy math. So if, so if someone, out, you know, if your money outside of the an annuity contract would grow by 10% uh, or let's call it 9%, let's take away like a percent advisory fee or something something or something like that. So if it grows by 9% outside of the annuity, it's going to grow by something like 7% inside of the annuity because there are higher fees inside of the annuity. If you are paying for some of these living benefit or living or death benefits and these riders. Okay. So it's kind of easy to imagine over time, you know, markets aren't, it's not as 
as simple as every year there's like, you know, five or 10% earnings. It's certainly not that simple. We have good years and bad years. But if, if we, for example, had a decade where, you know, every year a balanced portfolio earned, you know, eight, 6%, it would be easy to see how those columns would differ. In other words, the column that represents growth of your money inside of the annuity wouldn't grow to be as, as large of a sum of money because it's stunted by the higher fees inside of this annuity product. Okay. So that's kind of easy concepts for people to understand. Those two columns side by side would, would be the money outside of the annuity over, especially over a long period of time, could grow to be larger, all other things being equal, right? Now we're going to make a third column. And that third column represents the insurance company's fabricated amount of money. I am absolutely using that word fabricated. I have been known to use the word fake money in conversations with clients and probably on air before. And and so what the what your, the your, uh, your your dad your dad and I did a show like this years ago. We, yeah. we came up we came up with the term uh, insurance box. Insurance box. I don't even want to call it bucks because it's not real money. So, uh, so, but I, but I kind of like that. That's a little cheeky. Okay. So our third column is going to be the insurance company in their literature and in likely your conversations with uh, one of their representatives, they're going to say, they, they call it like, they have this amount of they have this fabricated amount of money and they call it like an income base or a withdrawal base or some, there's some sort of a term for it that is not your account value or your contract value. There's some sort of a base and it's a fabricated amount of money from which they calculate things, but it is not an amount of money that is yours. It is not an amount of money that you can call the insurance company and say, I would like to close my contract and I would like that amount of money back because it is not your money. It is a fabricated uh, amount for marketing purposes and calculation purposes, in my opinion anyway. Well, certainly for calculation purposes, but in my opinion, for marketing purposes. And so what they will say is, I'm going to guarantee that this income base is going to grow by 5% per year. And then I'm going to guarantee that you can take 5% of that when you're 65 and you can take that for life. But it's very important to understand that, remember, we had that column that was your real money. And then they create this third column, I guess second, but we made it, we made it a third column because we were contrasting it with the traditional investment. But then there's this third column, which is their fabricated amount of money. And that's going to grow. For example, I've just seen it quite common by 5% per year. So, so they are marketed and sold in such a way that, oh, I'm getting a 5% per year guarantee. And it's just, but it's, I just, and again, if people understand this, I am, then I have zero problem with, with someone owning an annuity, but I just think that it is quite common, not understood and sold to people without really being explained to people. And then again, like we talked about locked up for 10 years with the surrender period. And that's what makes me angry. It's not the fact that someone could pay an insurance company two and a half or 3% for these guarantees. That's not what makes me upset. That absolutely has its place in the world. I had a conversation with a dear client recently who happens to have an annuity like this, very similar. I'm actually going to touch on 
something that I learned from this annuity product in a little bit, but, um, which was very interesting. Um, but you know, this particular, we were having this conversation about, you know, understanding and the pros and cons and, you know, leaving it there versus not. And, um, you know, and we had this explanation and he fully understood the difference between my real money and this fabricated income base and, and the purpose of it. And he was, just totally fine. I, I I would like to leave my money there. And that is totally fine. I, I, I love that. That makes me happy. That makes me happy that someone can make an educated decision and they're okay with, this is what the insurance company is providing me. And I understand my cost for it. And I understand my other options. And this is my choice. I am like incredibly happy when that's the case. I just, unfortunately have had many conversations where people are like, oh, I didn't know that. That wasn't explained to me. Oh, nope that nope, how do we get our, you know, like that's, that's what really frustrates me. If there was more transparency in the world of annuities, when they are recommended slash sold to clients, I would, we wouldn't be having the show right now. Well, maybe we would, but I wouldn't be so upset. So, so what happens is like, if, so I actually did a little bit of calculations with some historical numbers going back 20 years and I, I you know, past performance is not indicative of future results, compliance disclosure there, but it happens to be true. And I, uh, what I'm, I'm doing, this for illustrative purposes because I, I want to spend the next, uh, after we have a break here, I want to spend a little bit more time talking about insurance companies and their evil brilliance. And uh, this is going to help me Careful. This is going to help me prove that point. I know how many how many people that work for an insurance company am I am I angering right now? But <laughs> I said the word brilliance, <laughs> but I think there's a little bit of uh, I'm calling I'm just going to call it evil brilliance. So I have my three columns, okay? We just, we just explained what the columns are. Real money inside of the annuity, my, my contract value invested in some securities, uh, calculated based on markets minus costs for the annuity. Then real money outside of the annuity, same portfolio, costs uh, calculated by markets minus a smaller cost to invest, right? So that, and, the, and those grow and the differences, the different, how they grow is the difference in the, in the cost, which could be a couple percent um, per year. Then third column, fabricated uh, base, fabricated amount of money that the insurance company makes up. And that's the one that has the guarantee. I just think it's really important to note that the insurance company for this particular product, the guarantee withdrawal base, I have not seen them actually guaranteeing growth of your real money. They're guaranteeing growth of a fabricated amount of money and they're selling it to you as I'm sorry, potentially selling it to you as so that you think that it's real 5% growth on your money, but it's not. So anyway, I went back 20 years and I pulled returns for like a balanced portfolio from 20, two, excuse me, 2001 through 2020. And I did some calculations. So I, I put $100,000 into the contract in 2001. And then I did some calculations, like how does my real money in the annuity grow with actual sort of balanced portfolio returns over 20 years? How does my money outside of the annuity grow? It grows to be larger because the cost to own are lower, right? In this period of time anyway, we've had good markets in the last certainly 10 years and pretty decent ones, except for a few years before that. And then how does the fabricated base of money grow by their guaranteed 5% on that fake pot of money, the insurance box? So 20 years, 100,000 goes in. I have to take a break soon, but we're going to make this point. 20 years, 100,000 goes in. Inside of the annuity, I subtracted 3% cost to own 
And over 20 years, 100,000 grew to about $157,000. We actually had bad markets, 0102. So I started out in bad markets, but that's just the way the 20-year data went. Uh, outside of the annuity, your 100 grew to uh, something like 280,000. So a, so a bigger number because 2% per year really adds up over 20 years. And then the fabricated base of money grew to be 265,000. So a lot more than the real money inside of the contract. And that's what they're guaranteeing you. But I want to talk about that a little bit more. Um, and I want to I want to explain why I said evil brilliance because that is actually what it is in my opinion. I want to talk about that as it relates to annuities uh, right after the break. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed, joined by my husband and business partner Kirk Reed this morning. Uh, we are talking about annuities. Um, I always think that I'll have like plenty of time to to uh, talk about all the concepts we want to talk about on annuities. But here we are with 28 minutes left, and I'm just getting started with the good stuff here. But um, no, still plenty of time. I, I just I want to continue on um, and just dig a little bit deeper into <clears throat> what seems to be a quite common um, annuity rider or, or bell and whistle or something you pay for uh, with money that you put into an annuity, which is a guaranteed withdrawal benefit. Um, and, you know, I don't want to spend too much time explaining because if, if you've been tuned in this whole time, you, you already heard me walk through my, you know, explanation of, the, of the, some of the calculations the insurance company does here. And um, and, and I just, I want to let, I, we're going to run short on time. So I just, I wanted to dig deeper. There's a few more points that I want to make um, here with this, with uh, what what I have found or developed as the best way for me to understand and explain to people um, what is happening inside of your annuity here with a guaranteed withdrawal benefit. And I shouldn't say your annuity. I'm talking like in very general terms as everyone's specific policy could be a little bit different. Lots of companies in this game and, and, and different products and different, you know, fine print and things like that. But, but just like bringing up this concept of in order to really understand what's happening, there's, you know, this, we, we spreadsheeted this one column of, you know, over let's, for example, example, 20 year period of time. What, what is, what is your real money doing here? Um, you know, your invested money, your contract value, your tangible actual money that the insurance company is holding for you. Um, what is it doing here? You know, that's performing based on the portfolio you selected and the markets and, and, uh, you know, just bringing up the point that, um, that, you know, my, I, I sort of explain it as if you compare it to a traditional investment, your money inside of an annuity contract is stunted by the relatively high fees inside of, of some annuity products. Certainly, certainly not all. There are certainly very simple and inexpensive annuities. We happen to have some for our clients and, and, um, I'm not talking about all, but I'm talking about some with the all the bells and whistles and, and the guarantees, et cetera. So, so growth of your real money is stunted by the high fees and, you know, uh, couple that with the insurance company has this, their insurance box, as Kirk called it, or, or their, you know, this fabricated amount of money from which they calculate how much you can draw later. And they're guaranteeing 5% growth of this, you know, chunk of money. And you're going to be guaranteed to draw 5% at age 65 or 6% at age 70 guaranteed for life. But it's not a real chunk of money. And so I just think that's an important concept to understand. You can't withdraw that if that if they call it an income base or withdrawal base. You can't withdraw that amount unless it happens to be the same as your contract value. And so what I think where I'm coming up with this like 
evil brilliance here is that, you know, think about someone that owns a contract like this, right? And they're seeing their, you know, their contract value. So in my example, like over a 20 year period of time, and I did actually pull some, you know, historical relevant returns for like a balanced portfolio over 20 years, you know, $100,000, you know, into into uh, something like this with in a balanced portfolio with 3% fees over 20 years grew from 100,000 to $157,000. That's not a ton of growth in 20 years. Of course, as I said, 0102 happens to be crap years uh, in the markets. And so, you know, for this period, the time the calculations start out going negative, but uh, if the, if this were the case, then that then think about that fabricated base of money where they're guaranteeing you five percent. That grows from a hundred thousand to two hundred and sixty-five thousand. So think about if you own this contract and you're seeing your contract value, and it's like it's like it's so boring compared to my income base is. Um, you know, growing at 5% per year. That's, this is what I mean by like, it, it is so brilliant of an insurance company to, to create this. And, and they're and so, the, it, yeah. sorry. And the, well, and so, and I, I don't think you've said this yet. I know you're probably getting there, but you know, the only way, the only way to, you know, realize or tap into that, to that, you know, sort of artificial growth is by keeping that money with the insurance company. Right. So there's, you know, you know, you see this, you know, you see this money growing a whole lot faster than your actual money. And, you know, that looks good. Uh, and, and, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, I want to I want to use that. But the only way to use it is to leave it there. And and, and if you do that, you know, at some point, you know, the, you know, the return, the returns over over the lifetime of this product are I'm not going to say that they're, you know, that they're you know, there or they are. But they're, I mean, they're probably. I know we've done the math on these before, you know, over, you know, over the accumulation period versus, and then, you know, including the, uh, the withdrawal period. And it probably ends up being what, 2%, 3% per year. I mean, plus or minus, um, you know, over, over the lifetime of this product. Is that, is that basically the conclusion you've come to? Um, it, I, yeah, I mean, it depends on the portfolio and the time horizon, of course, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a few percent it's two to three percent less than the growth of the real money. I mean, is two to three percent less than what it would have been had you not been inside that annuity. So, like insurance companies are brilliant in that they position you to like your contract value that you could withdraw or transfer out isn't worth much because your real money isn't growing by much because the fees are so high. So they like this is what I mean by the evil brilliance. Like people don't it's not attractive to take your real money out because your real money over, especially over time, isn't worth much as compared to this fabricated amount of money that they create that looks like a lot on paper. But again, it's not an amount of money that you can withdraw. It's they use that amount of money to calculate your withdrawal at whatever, whenever you start to withdraw, if it's this guaranteed withdrawal uh, benefit type type rider, where you know you can, you know, we're going to guarantee five or six percent from that, you know, at age sixty five or seventy or something. So it's it's not like an amount of money that really has a value to you, other than they're just they're calculating something from it, and but like if you do the calculations versus okay, well, you know, if I hadn't put my money in the annuity. 
and it had grown to X amount larger than it grew to inside of the annuity, could I have paid myself that same five? How easily could I have paid myself that same 5% per year? Right. And for, for, for life. And again, all these things come into play. Like it depends on how you live, et cetera. But basically that immediate annuity that you were explaining earlier in the show, basically they transition this fabricated uh, insurance base of money into, they use that in, in to create what they will offer you in terms of the guaranteed withdrawal or that or it's, it's sort of similar to a, a, an immediate annuity. They basically just transition that. So it's just, it's, it's brilliant in, in this regard that first of all, they you know, these uh, many insurance products are high commission insurance products. And then they're as a result of them being high commission product, there's a long period of time where you can't surrender or take your money out without paying a penalty that, you know, really uh, the, the surrender period, seven to 10 years of surrender penalties are really in place because there was a high commission paid. I should, a high is a relative term. Of course, there was a commission paid to, you know, the insurance professional to place this product. And then the insurance company needs to have access to that money for a period of time in order to not be in the hole immediately if someone transfers their money out. So that's why there are these long periods of time. The insurance company has to ensure that they are, you know, at least recouping uh, what, what they uh, paid their, uh, the salesperson to, to recommend the annuity. So, so there, it's just, it's, it's just so brilliant in that regard that they're making it, they're, they're sort of fabricating these numbers that just look so attractive based on your real money, but, but it's the high fees of the annuity that are making your real money not, not do as well comparatively speaking. Um, and it's just brilliant in that regard. And, and, and I even recently had a situation where I was um, helping a client understand their annuity and, you know, the old traditional surrender schedule or surrender period was like seven to 10 years. And it starts out at, you know, if it's a seven year surrender, it would start out at 7% and then every year it would reduce then six and then five, then four. And then it would go away, you know, after seven or so years. Now it's more commonly like 10 years, but um, that was the traditional schedule. Now I'm, I'm finding that some insurance companies have this language in there where there's like a perpetual surrender period, but they don't call it a, a, excuse me, a perpetual surrender penalty, but they don't call it that. It's called something different. I actually, in this situation, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but he was very clear. It's not a surrender penalty. But if you transfer your money out, even after the surrender penalty is gone, there is some sort of an administrative charge that actually increases over time for you to draw your money out. And it's related to, it's tied to the value of uh, your, your, the rider that you purchased. So that actually, there was one uh, administrative charge that was increasing over time in a recent annuity with, with a guaranteed with, uh, withdrawal benefit that I was analyzing. And uh, again, this is what I mean by like, I, I've used that term evil brilliance. And of course, you know, of, of course, insurance companies and insurance absolutely has their place in this world. But I just think in this regard, it is just, it's, 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 it's not transparent, which is what makes me frustrated. But, um, it, you know, I, I much, I much respect them for honestly, their, their brilliance in this regard. But I just think it's unfortunate that um, the way that some of these are structured and not explained well to clients and, 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 the, co and the costs in there are, you know, I, I, they're, people don't understand them and, and you know, they're, they're 
they're higher than in other way, other options that people have. Is there a cost to work with me and invest your money with me? Yes, there is. But I'm very transparent about it with my clients. They can, I'm upfront about disclosing all costs. They see an advisory uh, fee, you know, debit from their account once a quarter. They see the amount and they can decide if that has value. And I don't penalize someone if they decide that that, that I am no longer of value to them, right? And, and that, that this is what frustrates me in, in this world of annuities is that, you know, if someone changes their mind or they want to do something different with their money, it is, it's just extraordinarily difficult uh, in this world to make a change. And it, it again, it just saddens me. I think, um, I, yeah, I think so again, and I mentioned this earlier, I mean, to me, to me in, in general, again, this is just kind of a generic comment, you know, in, regarding annuities, um, specifically ones that have, you know, these contingent, um, you know, these surrender penalties is that if, if you're looking at, if you're considering, you know, one of these products and you really need to understand what that surrender, what the time frame is and what the penalty is. Uh, I mean, yeah, as, as you said, I think, I think, I think in most cases, you know, it's usually seven or 10 years. Those are probably the most common uh, surrender periods that you might see. But you know, in doing you know doing some some looking around and some research, uh, there are there are some that are 14 years or, or more, uh, and, and as you just said, uh, you know some there are some that, that never go away, and mm-hmm. so you really need to understand that uh, you know from the get go if you're if you're looking at something like this, and uh, you know and on the other side, I mean in doing what we do, you know with helping people and you know the people that we worked with for a long time nothing nothing works out the way you think it's going to um this is just life in general and things always come up things always change you know life is not static it's very fluid and to 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 lock you know to lock yourself or or you know to put all of your money in something like this thinking okay my life is going to look exactly like this for the rest you know for the rest of my life it's not going to happen and so you know you know nine times out of ten somebody's going to need some of that money or something and in order to get it they might have to pay a pretty steep penalty and i think that that's that to me so that to me that's the biggest downside in in you know locking up your money in something like this because like life happens and and it's going to cost you but uh, potentially um yeah absolutely and i want to make one more point on this but i we, we i do want to get into like suitability and where i think these make sense and where they don't um just one one last point i promise on you know that these sort of these what what seem to be quite popular guaranteed withdrawal benefit riders and these uh, uh, um, uh, variable annuity contracts with these living benefits and these guarantees is that like okay it's just last point again we talked about how your the real contract value your real money the, the growth over time is stunted by high fees right and so you're you're presented with this you know statement once a year once a quarter where you know your your contract value is like you know, super boring compared to what the insurance company is guaranteeing you for that withdrawal base, right? So number one, you know, that, that's 
that's they've positioned themselves as quite valuable in that regard, right? But it was their fault that the <laughs> that the, the, the growth was stunted. So that's what's the evil the evil part of that brilliance. But like so so in my example where you know your, your real money inside of the annuity grows to one hundred and fifty seven thousand dollars and twenty years in a balanced portfolio since two thousand and one, but the fabricated you know the, the fabricated base uh, that guaranteed five percent uh, that that's not your real money that grows to two hundred and sixty five thousand. The insurance company is looking like a rock star, right? And then, and then from that 265, of course, you can't withdraw the amount. Of course, it's not your real money. But that's when that's from which they calculate your 5% draw, okay, for, at, at age 65 or perhaps 6% at age 70, something like that. The point is, so yes, someone could say, well, I, but I get to draw my 5 or 6% from that higher amount of money. Yes, absolutely, you can. Yes, and that's the higher amount. But the point is... Had you just grown your money in a traditional investment account outside of that annuity in the in, a, in the same portfolio over 20 years, even factoring in a 1% uh, per year cost to own investments, you would have grown your money to about the same, if not more than that 265000 So you could be paying yourself that 5% per year in a much more, also in a much more flexible way. Like with, with these guaranteed riders, you can't break the terms of that. If you draw more than what they're guaranteeing you, you start breaking the, you start making what you've been paying for all these years invaluable. So you're, it's very restrictive in that regard. Um, but you know, with your own money, it, you could have number one likely paid yourself that same five percent per year, but also in a very flexible way. Like, what if I need an extra sum for something else? It's not you're not restricted with your own. If it was your just your own money all this time, right? So that that's the point that I that is so relevant is that I just think it's important to analyze. You know, again, past performance is not indicative of future results. Could there be periods of time when the markets are total crap and and annuities, um, you know, are, are literally the rock star? Absolutely. That's where annuities will have our the, the the place in this world is when and they will shine absolutely if markets are crap for a period the the period of time you know during which you are retiring or in retirement or approaching retirement uh, these guaranteed living benefits that you are paying yes, high fees for will absolutely have their place and they will shine if we have like an extended period of time of crap markets that happens to line up with when you're starting your income or when you're starting your retirement. So I am, uh, of course, very upfront about that. They will have a value absolutely if markets do poorly, like for an extended period of time, like this year, last year, you know, we had a terrible five weeks, February to March, very scary, but returns like for very many people that stayed in the markets and, you know, didn't go to cash and things like that. Very many people could have had double digit returns in, in 2020. And, but, but I mean, like for an extended period of, um, you know, which we've had in the past, we've had, you know, two, three year periods of time where markets were poor. And if that happens, if you happen to have a guaranteed, you know, annuity type product with one of these living benefits and it lines up with, you're starting to retire during some crap markets, that's when these will have value. And I will not discount that. Um, but I just think that there are lots of periods of time all throughout history when you really dig deeper that 
that these guarantees um, compared to what someone could have done on their own if they took their own investment risk, um, I just, I don't know that these have much value and they have high fees and there are lots of times where they just, they are not as rosy as they are sold to be. Um, I, I, um, I had a thought and then I, and then I lost it. I was, I was going to make a really super awesome, important point, but then I lost it. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, like I, like I said, I am, I've had conversations with people where, you know, we explain this and we dig deeper and we do the analysis and, you know, sometimes people are just like, I had no idea. Like that's not what was explained to me at all. And then, and, and that's frustrating, but you know, there are some people that I don't care if you're paying two and a half to 3% fees, if you understand it. And that is your choice. I just wish there was like a transition in that world to explain things a little bit better to people um, because I, my sense is that that is not what's happening, unfortunately. Um, okay, I feel better. I wanna talk a little bit about, we have like eight, seven or eight minutes. Um, I, I do wanna just get into like suitability. Again, I, I think that, um, oh, my brilliant point was I, I, I just super easy concept to understand is if you are um, purchasing an annuity with some sort of a guaranteed living benefit or guaranteed death benefit, um, annuities are such that you are, and my, my explanation is that you are paying an insurance company to take risk for you. And if, if you see the value in that for whatever the cost is, which I want you to understand and I want you to be told what the cost is, and if it's upwards of two and a half or 3%, if you see the value in what they're guaranteeing you, then it's worth it. But I just think that, you know, that's where they have this place in the world for someone who is, um, you know, very risk averse. I, I don't want, I'm not comfortable with this risk. And there are, of course, people out there like that. I want these guarantees. I, I, I'm okay with, you know, the cost for that. That's where they have a place in this world for people that are, you know, for even a certain chunk of money, it doesn't have to be your whole portfolio, but, you know, maybe you have some money invested in the markets, et cetera, et cetera. And then some money that you would like to pay an insurance company to uh, take the risk for you. You want to have some guarantees associated with that. And as long as you see the value and whatever your cost is for that, then I'm perfectly happy. And like I said, you know, in all my years of analysis of these, you know, it sort of uh, the value of those guarantees or those riders, they change with markets. When markets are great, now we've had a great decade of stock markets. So, so in this period of time, um, and I guess really even going back 20 years, although, although, you know, there's certainly some really bad, really bad few years in the last 20, but you know, in the last decade, markets have been great. Maybe that's not going to be the case for the next decade, but markets have been great. So when markets do well, people are better off taking the investment risk on their own. And these, uh, these guarantees won't shine as much, but of course I will be very upfront saying that if, or if, I guess if, and if, or when we have a period of time of, of uh, an extended period of time of poor stock market returns, that's when these will shine. Um, and I think that these are um, 
I, I, again, I don't have statistics in front of me, but my sense is that, you know, annuities and these guaranteed products will, will there will be a surge in, you know, purchase of these or sale of these, I guess I should say, um, you know, after a, a period of time of scary markets, like people will be, you know, j- you know, jolted by what has happened in the markets and will flee to these products that are guaranteed. But unfortunately, what happens is if you think about, you know, all throughout history and patterns and stuff, you and I know that after an, especially an extended period, after an extended period of time of poor markets comes a period of time, generally speaking, of great overachieving markets. And that's exactly what's happened since 2008, you know, end of 07, 08, early 09, we had some really poor markets. Again, I don't have statistics, but my sense is that jolted a lot of people for sure. You and I know that. And and likely people's like fleeing to these, you know, guaranteed things. I want an insurance company to take risk for me. But then what happens is, you know, markets can be, have been quite cyclical historically that, Unfortunately, for the people that did that, the, the the following ten years was like amazing in the stock market. So, um, you know, maybe a period of time to to seek out a, a guaranteed product like this is is during a period of amazing stock markets when maybe we'll have a period of poor stock markets to follow. But you know, I I, I don't know. I won't predict what the markets will do. But you know, that's where they're suitable. They they will be very suitable when uh, markets do poorly for an extended period. They are suitable for people that just don't you know want an insurance company that or want someone else it happens to be an insurance company to take risk for them um but i i just i get you know i get heated in this discussion because i just unfortunately think that they're they are not transparent um you, nobody knows what they're paying for those uh it, that is frustrating people should know what they're paying and should be comfortable that they're getting value for that and and that's therein lies my frustration um just, just I don't know if we have time for this, but but just one other thing is I stumbled across recently um, a Roth IRA inside of an annuity, and um, I, you know I I hadn't thought about this like so much before because I that's the first time ever I've seen a Roth IRA inside of an annuity, and I think there's good reason that I don't see Roth IRAs inside of an annuity is that you know to to, to stunt the growth of your best chunk of money in your future from a tax perspective is, is, uh, I think not suitable. So, you know, if you want to put a million dollars in, in a, in an annuity and have some living benefits there and pay two and a half or 3%, by all means, if you're comfortable with that, please do it, but do not put your Roth in there. I think that a Roth should be, um, you know, uh, keep your costs down, maximize growth on that because that is your best chunk of money and all that growth comes back to you tax-free in the future. So that's just one thing I came across upon recently that I just wanted to mention and I got a little worked up about it at the time, but um, fortunately I don't see those too, too often. Um, okay, of course there's like 15 more things on the outline that we didn't get to, but we can have another follow-up show because we've only got a couple of minutes here, but um, I hope that was helpful. I, I really, in all honesty, I really, you know, um, I, I really try to be unbiased with this discussion, you know, but I have my expertise and, and my experience and I've done a lot of analysis on these. And, you know, again, that's why we try to lay out like where these are suitable and and what are the frustrations, you know, related to them. And, and I just think, I just, you know what? 
I just want people to understand them if they're going to purchase them. That is, that will make me a happy person and sleep well at night. And, and, you know, I have no problem with them when people recognize that, yes, this is my cost and I accept the value and I'm moving forward. That is lovely. And again, like I said, I had a conversation with a client about that recently and wonderful. I, you know, that is, that is great. Um, they do have their place in the world, of course. <sighs> All right. I'm going to need about half a gallon of water after that discussion. Uh, my mouth is dry. Um, but anyway, I hope that was helpful. If anyone has follow-up questions on that, um, you can email us at questions at McNamaraonmoney.com. You can call the show uh, next week. Um, or you can email, you know, find my contact info at McNamaraFinancial.com. Uh, you're listening to McNamara on Money. I hope that was helpful, everyone. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. That was my husband today, Kirk Reed, both advisors here at McNamara Financial with offices in Marshfield and Chelmsford, Massachusetts. Check us out, McNamaraonmoney.com. Um, I hope everyone uh, is enjoying the new year and staying well and have a good weekend, everybody. Mm -hmm.